Welcome back to the podcast, and thanks for joining me. If you haven't heard the news yet, then the title of this podcast episode may have been a big surprise for you. And yes, it's true. There is actually breaking news in this decades-long mystery. The Zodiac's 340-symbol cipher has been solved. There are two other people I've been working with on the ciphers. Jarl van Eike, he's a programmer from Belgium, and he wrote the really good code-breaking software called AZ Decrypt. And then uh, another programmer out in Australia who's been sending me manipulations of the 340, and I've been feeding those into AZ Decrypt to see if any solutions can come out. Could you print this new cipher on your front page? I get awfully lonely when I am ignored. So lonely, I could do my thing. The greeting card. A thick joke, you might say. Enclosed was a cryptogram, or code, as yet unsolved. They were apparently from the man who has killed five or perhaps more persons. Like I have always said, I am crack-proof. Zodiac. A to Z. On Monday, November 10th, 1969, two envelopes arrived at the offices of the San Francisco Chronicle newspaper. Postmarked November 8th, p.m., in San Francisco, the first envelope had two six-cent Franklin D. Roosevelt stamps and was addressed, SF Chronicle, please rush to editor. Inside, the sender had included a humorous greeting card. Produced by the Forget-Me-Not American Greeting Cards Company, the Jester's card featured a dripping ink pen and the words, Sorry I haven't written, but I just washed my pen. This is the Zodiac speaking. I thought you would need a good laugh before you hear the bad news. You won't get the news for a while yet. P.S. Could you print this new cipher on your front page? I get awfully lonely when I am ignored. So lonely, I could do my thing. The Zodiac underlined the word thing many times, as if his message needed reinforcement. The envelope also contained another cipher. The 340-symbol cipher was an ominous taunt from the killer. The cipher was sent to the FBI, where cryptographers labored to decipher its meaning without success. The cipher consisted of 340 symbols in block form, with 20 lines and 17 characters, similar to the construction of the Zodiac's first cipher, mailed to three Bay Area newspapers in July 1969, along with letters that read, Dear Editor, Here is part of a cipher. The other two parts of this cipher are being mailed to the editors of the Vallejo Times and SF Examiner. I want you to print this cipher on the front page of your paper. 
in this cipher is my identity. If you do not print this cipher by the afternoon of Fry, 1st of Aug, 69, I will go on a kill rampage Fry night. I will cruise around all weekend, killing lone people in the night, then move on to kill again until I end up with a dozen people over the weekend. That cipher was solved by a pair of amateur codebreakers, Donald and Betty Harden. The couple worked together over a weekend and cracked the Zodiac cipher just days after its arrival to reveal a terrifying message. I like killing people because it is so much fun. It is more fun than killing wild game in the forest because man is the most dangerous animal of all. To kill something gives me the most thrilling experience. It is even better than getting your rocks off with a girl. The best part of it is that when I die, I will be reborn in paradise and all that I have killed will become my slaves. I will not give you my name because you will try to slow down or stop my collecting of slaves for my afterlife. The killer claimed that he was collecting slaves to serve him in his afterlife and he later echoed this theme in a message using the words paradise and slaves to form a cross. The Zodiac used the same misspelling for the word paradise, with the letter C instead of the letter S. The deciphered text of the Zodiac's 408 symbol cipher offered a glimpse into the mind of the Zodiac and his possible motivations. If his claims were sincere, the Zodiac's message revealed his inner fantasy world, a place where he was all-powerful and worshipped for eternity by the enslaved ghosts of his victims. The Zodiac may have hoped that his 340-symbol cipher would be solved and his hidden message would be revealed to the world. He may have been disappointed that his first cipher had been solved so quickly, and he therefore created the second message with the intention of making that cipher difficult to solve. Whatever his plans, the Zodiac cipher proved to be an enigma, and even the best minds were unable to unlock its secrets over five decades. During that time, many amateur codebreakers claimed that they had solved the cipher, but none of the proposed solutions were confirmed by experts. Theorists often claim that the cipher revealed information which implicated their favored suspects, but their solutions were not valid. Author Robert Graysmith also claimed that he had solved the cipher in his best-selling book Zodiac, and the film adaptation included a scene in which Graysmith's character is interviewed by a television news reporter about his cipher solution. Like so many other aspects of the Zodiac case, the facts about the killer's unsolved ciphers were often clouded by confusion and myth, and the solution to the Z340 cipher became the elusive holy grail of true crime cryptography. Over the years, I've become accustomed to hearing the occasional rumor about some break in the case and proposed solutions to the Zodiac's unsolved ciphers. Every amateur codebreaker is certain that their solution is correct, but the evidence debunks their claims, 
The result is immediate skepticism whenever someone declares that they have unlocked the secrets of the Zodiac Cipher. One learns not to get too excited about such claims in order to avoid the inevitable disappointment. Many people are unfamiliar with the methods used to create ciphers, codes, and other secret messages, and the complexities of cryptography can often seem confounding. But there is one person who has spent years studying the killer's cipher to understand its construction, possible origins, and more. My name is Dave Aranchak. I've been a computer programmer since about the second grade. I remember there was a computer in the classroom in my second grade class that kind of just sat there. And I was invited by the teacher to type in a computer program that was in a magazine, like a computer magazine. And it just seemed like kind of a chore to do that because it's this basically this gibberish. But at the end of it, it ended up making this cool little animation on the computer screen. And so I, I got hooked <laughs> at that point uh, at the power of, of using computer programming to, to basically turn that blank canvas of the computer into something much more interesting. So that gradually led to pursuing a computer engineering degree as for my undergraduate degree. And then I got a master's degree in computer science, got a job building legal case management software and also cryptography software. My connection to the Zodiac case started with seeing information about the case online about 11 years ago. The thing that stood out to me was the, the unsolved ciphers that are associated with the case. And because I have a computer programming background and I, I enjoy puzzles, that seemed to be a, a perfect combination for me to get hooked on trying to solve those unsolved ciphers on my own. Because I thought, well, maybe I could write a computer program build some software tools that would help come up with a solution to those ciphers. I've collected a lot of information about the ciphers that kind of culminated in my website, which is ZodiacKillerCiphers.com. Another thing that came out of my research into the case was the talks that I gave at a cryptologic history symposium, which is given every two years. It's part of the NSA. Specifically, it's associated with their um, cryptographic history museum. Basically, it's a lot of people who study the history of cryptography and code making and code breaking throughout the years, and warfare and secret communications of all kinds. Occasionally, they'll have talks involving true crime and the use of secret messages in, uh, in criminal contexts. So I submitted a talk about how can we test different ideas about how unsolved ciphers are created. When you're looking at an unsolved cipher, it may have certain qualities to it. And you're trying to find, well, what kind of cipher system would produce those qualities? And if you've identified a cipher system, how can you determine if that unknown cipher is created by that system? My goal with the website and the talks that I've been giving about the Unsolved Zodiac Ciphers is to just put more information out there for researchers to use that can hopefully help lead to a solution to one or more of these Unsolved Zodiac Ciphers. There are um, two other people I've been working with on the ciphers. One of them is Jarl van Eike. He's a programmer from Belgium and he wrote the really good code-breaking software called AZ Decrypt. And we collaborate on some experiments, and you can see those on 
Mike Morford's forum, ZodiacKillerSite.com. And he's basically written a really excellent piece of software for cracking homophonic ciphers and not just homophonic ciphers, but a lot of variations of encipherment techniques that people have been trying to use on the 340 to come up with ways to, to break it. And so his software is basically like an experimental platform for exploring all those ideas. But his software is really powerful and there's a lot of potential there. And then uh, I've also been working with a, another programmer out in Australia who's been sending me variations of um, manipulations of the 340. And I've been feeding those into AZ Decrypt to see if um, any solutions can come out. Several years ago, I came to rely on David Aranchak for guidance when trying to understand the many complex issues surrounding the Zodiac ciphers. David's approach to the ciphers was refreshing and his analysis was informative. I often receive emails from people who claim to have solved the ciphers and I always refer them to David for his examination and conclusions. He always provides a fair assessment of proposed solutions and encourages people to bring new ideas to the discussion. His website, ZodiacKillerCiphers.com, has been a valuable resource for anyone seeking information about the ciphers. Dave was the first guest to appear on this podcast, and he's been on several times since then. For these and other reasons, I was not immediately skeptical when I received a message from Dave on the morning of Saturday, December 5th, 51 years after the Zodiac mailed the 340-symbol cipher. He simply stated that he and two other associates had solved the Z340 cipher. I believe that Dave would not make such claims if he could not back them up with clear evidence. So I was instantly intrigued by the thought that such evidence was obviously forthcoming, and I was not disappointed. I soon learned the incredible story behind the solution a story about the pursuit of a seemingly random clue in a mundane search of data. The mystery was finally solved with the collaborative efforts of three individuals in three different countries across the globe. From his home in Flanders, Belgium, computer programmer Jarl von Eicke has worked online with Dave Aranchak in the United States and Sam Blake in Melbourne, Australia. As members of Mike Morford's forum at ZodiacKillerSite.com, the trio shared information, examined possible decryption methods, and searched for any clue which could crack the Zodiac's three unsolved ciphers. Jarl created AZ Decrypt, described by Dave as a fast and powerful cipher solver, and a modified version of this software helped Von Eicke and entrepreneur Louis Helm set a world record for deciphering of a bigram of the shortest cipher length. Studying the Zodiac's 340-symbol cipher, Sam identified and collected information about variations in the ciphertext, including the needle in the haystack, which ultimately proved to be the key to cracking the cipher. Dave explained that the trio had discovered that the Zodiac split the 340-symbol cipher into three pieces and then rearranged the message in a predictable diagonal pattern in the first two parts. The deciphered text ran diagonally, 
When the words ended at the right side of the text block, the message would continue on the next line at the left side. The Zodiac made an obvious effort to thwart attempts to decipher the message by constructing the cipher in this way, and the resulting block of text may have been intended to encourage the false assumption that the 340-symbol cipher was constructed with the same methods used to create the killer's previous cipher, which was a simple message reading from right to left as normal text. By rearranging the message into three parts disguised as one block of text, the Zodiac may have believed that most people would never look beyond its appearance to discover the actual method used to hide the real message. Dave explained that cracking the cipher required undoing those arrangements and then trying to discover the killer's substitution key. The Zodiac apparently made some mistakes in the second part of the message. Jarl discovered those mistakes and corrected them, which made the task of deciphering the second part of the message easier. After Jarl's corrections were included and the proper adjustments were made, the decryption process quickly produced actual results. The trio of codebreakers started with a nugget of information on Thursday, and the process was so encouraging that Dave decided to skip work on Friday to continue the search for a solution which finally seemed to surface. By Saturday morning, the team submitted their solution to the FBI for verification. Dan Olson, cryptanalyst forensic examiner for the FBI's Racketeering Records Analysis Unit in Washington, D.C., examined the solution as well as the methods used by the team. Dave said that he had received three telephone calls from the Bureau on Saturday morning. The experts offered only one correction. The team had deciphered a section of six symbols to find the letters S-O-O-H-E-R. Dave said that an FBI cryptanalyst thought the letters were intended to form the word sooner. Dan Olson personally informed Dave that the solution appeared to be correct. The FBI experts were so confident that the solution was valid that the Bureau would amend their original report to include the new solution and then submit the solution back to the San Francisco Police Department, the original requester of assistance with the cipher back in 1969. The deciphered message seemed consistent with the Zodiac's persona and character as displayed in his previous communications, including the deciphered text of the 408-symbol cipher. In that message, the killer wrote that he was killing people in order to collect slaves to serve him during his afterlife in paradise. The Zodiac also included the same misspelling in text which used the words paradise and slaves to form a cross. In the solution to the 340-symbol cipher, the writer returned to this theme and declared that he was not afraid of death. I hope you are having lots of fun in trying to catch me. That wasn't me on the TV show. Which brings up a point about me. 
I am not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise all the sooner. Because I now have enough slaves to work for me where everyone else has nothing when they reach paradise. So they are afraid of death. I am not afraid because I know that my new life will be an easy one in paradise death. Unlike solutions presented by others, this new solution revealed a clear and discernible message. The writer apparently referred to the Bay Area television talk show, The Jim Dunbar Show, and an episode featuring the famous attorney, Melvin Belli. On October 22, 1969, someone called the Oakland police station and claimed to be the Zodiac. The caller demanded that Belli or Boston attorney F. Lee Bailey appear on the show with host Jim Dunbar. During the broadcast, a man called several times but kept hanging up in an effort to prevent police from tracing the calls to his location. The caller agreed to be referred to as Sam, and he complained that headaches had driven him to murderous impulses. Jim said, well, maybe he's afraid of being beaten up or something like that now. Um, what, 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 what can I say? Well, why don't we just ask Sam to tell us a little bit more about what he's feeling right now. What do you, tell us about your, your feelings, Sam. You know, just tell us anything you want to. And then we'll come back and I'll give you a specific answer to this question when you're going to the gas chamber. Uh, stay with us so I can answer that for you. But uh, will you attend uh, on Jim just a minute and tell me, tell him what, what you're feeling or, or talk to us? Just tell us what's going on in, in, inside you right now, Sam, please. I have headaches. Right. How long have you had those headaches, Sam? In a long time? Since I killed a kid. If, if it all boils down to the question of you're giving yourself up, if you could be assured that you wouldn't get capital punishment, for my I don't son. want to give myself I, up. Huh? I want to kill those kids. After the broadcast, a recording of the caller's voice was played for the three people who had spoken to the Zodiac. Surviving victim Brian Hartnell and police dispatchers David Slate and Nancy Slover all concluded that Sam was not the Zodiac. Police reports, FBI files, and other accounts indicated that Sam later called Melvin Belli's home several times and that police were finally able to trace those calls to a patient in a mental hospital. Investigators concluded that the man was not the Zodiac, but the incident became an often misunderstood chapter of the story, and some people continued to believe that Sam was actually the killer. The writer of the ciphertext stated, That wasn't me on the TV show. The incident with the imposter Sam occurred on October 22, 1969, and the cipher was sent two and a half weeks later in November. On December 20, 1969, the Zodiac sent a letter to Melvin Belli's home in an envelope which also contained a piece of a victim's bloodstained shirt to confirm the writer's identity as the real killer. The tone and text of the letter's message seemed somewhat insincere, and the message could be interpreted as mockery 
of Sam's imposter version of the Zodiac character. At first, Dave Aranchak did not expect much to come from the possible decipher method, but everything changed when a message materialized before his eyes. He said that he knew he was on the right track when he saw the reference to the TV show, especially since the broadcast had occurred less than three weeks before the Zodiac mailed the 340-symbol cipher. After more than 50 years, the mystery of the 340-symbol cipher has finally been solved, thanks to the hard work and determination of three men working together from different parts of the world. When Dave explained to me how the cipher was solved, I was reminded of his previous statements and interviews for this podcast series about possible decryption methods and different theories about the construction of the Zodiac ciphers. I said to him that the solution confirmed so many things he had said during our interviews. Dave replied that the statistics in the cipher text did actually reflect how the cipher was constructed. In November 2019, Dave and I were discussing the Zodiac's 340-symbol cipher for Episode 8 of the Zodiac A to Z podcast. Approximately 15 minutes into the show, Dave essentially predicted how the Z340 was actually constructed when he described possible encryption techniques. The 408 basically only has the one step, which is you write down your message and then you assign symbols to the plaintext letters and then write your cipher based on that. What the FBI tried was the combinations of steps. So they were thinking maybe there was some kind of linear or root transposition. Those are the phrases they used in the files. Linear transposition is what I think that means is you take chunks of the original message and then you rearrange the appearance of the letters. So the locations of the letters change, but they're done in a certain pattern. So you can take like groups of letters and then rearrange them in a, in a repeated way. So once you know what that pattern is, you apply it over and over again to get the message. And then root transposition are things like, you know, read the message from left to right and then right to left and then left to right, kind of like a snake pattern, hmm. or back and forth, a zigzag pattern. That's an example of a root transposition. Or like diagonal would be, you know, reading off the message diagonally. So in those situations, you would end up with a plain text that doesn't look like it makes any sense. And then the last step there would be to, to encrypt it using the same kind of substitution used in the first cipher. So the symbols are assigned to each of the letters. For years, I stated my belief that the Zodiac may have been somewhat disappointed that his first cipher was solved so quickly. And therefore, he may have intended that the next cipher was more difficult to solve. Some people had speculated that the amateur codebreakers Donald and Betty Harden were able to solve the original 408-symbol cipher so quickly because the Zodiac was little more than an amateur who possessed only a basic understanding of cryptography. I asked David if this new cipher solution cast doubt on those theories about the Zodiac's knowledge. Dave offered his opinion that the new solution indicated that the Zodiac either knew codes or had a good intuition about how to make them. Dave also believed that the complex structure of the Zodiac's 340-symbol cipher definitely indicated that the killer had reacted to the hardened solution and deliberately made his next cipher 
harder to solve. Dave also thanked Mike Morford, owner of ZodiacKillerSite.com, and stated that the site played a crucial role in the events leading up to the solution. The site gave the team a forum to collaborate, and Dave said that the trio used the site extensively to facilitate their communications and their work. Dave stressed that the solution would not have been possible without the hard work by Jarl Van Eyke and Sam Blake. Sam was responsible for identifying and sending more than 650,000 cipher variations which led to the first break, and Jarl created the code-breaking software and helped to overcome problems with the Zodiac cipher techniques. While the new solution did not provide any apparent clues to the killer's identity, the deciphered message revealed another glimpse into the mind of the Zodiac. Whether or not he actually believed that his dead victims would serve as his slaves in his afterlife, the repeated theme was somehow important to the killer. In 1969, the Zodiac claimed that he was killing victims to become his slaves, and more than half a century later, he remained significant only because those victims were sacrificed to achieve his infamy. As his story continues to unfold in the pages of the history books, we are still haunted by the ghost of the Zodiac. Zodiac, A to Z. Written and produced by Michael Butterfield. Featuring David Aranchak of ZodiacKillerCiphers.com. Zodiac voice by John Knight. Zodiac, A to Z. Produced for ZodiacKillerFacts.com. Zodiac.